This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by InPen from Companion Medical. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Welcome to Ask Scott and Jenny. In today's episode, I, Scott, and Jenny, Jenny Smith from the Diabetes Pro Tips series and Defining Diabetes, you know Jenny. Jenny works at Integrated Diabetes. She's a CDE, a registered pump trainer, CGM trainer, dietitian. She has type 1. Jenny is the, uh, she's the full pack. Jenny's the goat. I think that's what we're saying, right? The greatest of all time. That's why she's here on the Juice Box Podcast. So we're doing something new on Fridays. There's still going to be some defining diabetes, but we're going to go back and forth a little bit between Ask Scott and Jenny and Defining. Anyway, in these segments, Jenny and I will be answering your questions. This all began as Jenny and I were talking about new episodes for Diabetes Pro Tip. And I said, let's do an Ask Jenny thing. She's like, I'm up for that. I said, you know, I'll, I'll ask people on the Facebook page if they have any questions for you. And they did, but... The questions were sort of never ending and really good. It's interesting how listening to the podcast is making people think about deeper questions. The day after Jenny and I recorded, I woke up thinking, boy, that really went well. I love that. We should do more of that, you know? And I got an email from Jenny, and you know what it said? Jenny told me, we should do that again. I was like, I was thinking that too. So we were like, you know what? Instead of making this a pro tip thing that happens once in a while... And we can't just make it one episode because there were so many questions. And in an hour, I think it would just get overwhelming. You'd forget what you heard. I said, Jenny, let's break these up into smaller episodes so they're a little more digestible and keep doing them. You know, I'll put up a thread every once in a while and we'll get new questions from people. And Jenny was like, that's a good idea. And I said, Jenny, why are you talking like that? And then I realized I was texting with her and she wasn't really talking. I was just making up that voice in my head. Anyway, welcome to Ask Scott and Jenny answers to your diabetes questions. For those of you who think that Jenny and I have practiced this ahead, you'll know for certain in a second that that's not true. <laughs> I did send Jenny the questions so she could look at them. There's no, I don't even um, I did not. I think I looked at like a couple and I was like, okay, we'll just attack these as we get to them because I can't. And it was like 945 at night. And I was like, my brain has no bandwidth right now for reading more of these. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm just going to start what I see is the top, right? So, and I think I can give first names. Liani asks, she says, I just started listening to the series with Jenny and you in the last month and love it. My question, how do you combat that morning glucose rise? No matter what time of the morning I wake up, as soon as my feet hit the floor, my sugar spikes. Basal increase causes lows and doesn't fight the rise quickly enough. I know hormones get released when you get up, but still haven't figured out how to stop it from happening, so I'm not fighting highs all morning and delaying food. Good question. Good question. I have very little to add to this, but I think I should go first because I think it'll lead you. Please. I have Arden's basal program set up for... A normal day, being alive, getting up at mm-hmm. a certain time, going and doing something. Summertime comes along or Saturday comes along and she sleeps in. Now all of a sudden her basal insulin that kicks in at like 6.30 in the morning so she can get up for school too becomes much. too much at some point. So I wake up a little earlier and I dial her basal back for a very long time. Usually by 30% does it most days. If she's trying to mm-hmm. get low, 
there might even be moments in there for a half an hour where I have to shut it off completely to create mm-hmm. like like there. So I have to mess with enough of a loss so that she can sleep. Mm-hmm. In. So that's the sleeping in idea. But the reason I bring it up is because what it's taught me is that opening your eyes makes your blood sugar go up. (laughs) And I know technically that's not true, but I think there's something about being awake and alive and aware and anxious and in a hurry and all the other things that come with being alive and having your eyes open make you need more insulin. So now you can tell her like the technical reason for all that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you, I mean, you alluded to some of it really. It's like, you know, what we kind of commonly referred to as the dawn phenomenon, right? And while most will say, oh, it happens somewhere, you know, starting around maybe 3 or 4 a.m. and continues through, let's say, maybe 8 a.m., most people really see it heaviest once they do wake up. It's almost like the feet on the floor and my blood sugar is rising and I haven't even like said hello to my dog yet and my blood sugar is like skyrocketing, right? And this listener, reader, poster is essentially... So is a listener, but she follows the okay. show through Facebook. Awesome. Okay. So both. Fabulous. So essentially, it has, a, has kind of the right idea. We would typically say, go ahead and... If you are, in fact, getting up at about the same time every day, like Arden's example, her normal school day, she's getting up six o'clock in the morning, if that's your typical, and you start to see a rise by 6.15, the accommodation in basal is appropriate. But in this setting, perhaps the basal hasn't been adjusted high soon enough to accommodate for when the rise is going to start. So, you know, if the rise is starting at 6.15 in the morning and you have your basal set to increase at 6 a.m., 15 minutes of more basal isn't going to offset a rise in 15 minutes. It's not going to do it. Like we talked about in the basal, you know, setting episodes, you really have to get about an hour lead way before you expect to see a rise or a fall happening in your blood sugar. And so in this instance, again, you'd probably need to do an increase in your basal around 5 a.m. if you want an offset, a rise that you know is going to happen by 6, 6 6.15 to get started, because then by then the basal will be high enough, it'll stop it from happening. You won't have the spike. So this is an example of like what I'd say about like anything you're doing with insulin currently isn't for now, it's for later. It's for later, right. right? And if you are getting low, you know, she mentions, well, I've tried the basal thing and it's causing me to go low. It may be, again, the timing. It may be that the basal isn't adjusted high enough soon enough. Mm-hmm. And if you're adjusting it at six o'clock to accommodate for a rise 15 minutes later, but then it doesn't need to be high anymore by 8 a.m., that's why you're low, is because it's high hitting you at a point when you now no longer need it to be too high. So it's kind of a mismatch of timing. Um the kind of the other compensation like you bring up, you know, for Arden's sleep in days mm-hmm. for adults who are on their own. Um, and I, I did this, you know, with my pump early on, I figured out the same thing. My work days were very different than my weekend days, not by much. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't a teen. It's not like I was sleeping until 11 o'clock versus getting up at six o'clock. Right. Yeah. But even if I slept in by an hour or an hour and a half, that basal accommodation that I had set, it was it was too much. Yeah. So I actually created weekend or day off profiles. 
And on Friday night, I would set my weekend profile to start running and it accommodated for that time of day that was just longer in a sleep. I would say too, for any pump companies that may be listening, you have to be able to, they need to be automated. I agree. You can't can't make me remember Friday night to turn on my Saturday profile. I I had reminders on my phone and my reminder specifically said it wasn't just alarm going off. It was turn on weekend basil. On Sunday night, I had an alarm that said, turn on weekday basil. (laughs) Otherwise, I would forget. Of course. For people who are thinking about it on this level, there is no safety concern with allowing them to change their basil um, programs automatically. Um, So my my last two thoughts about this are, basically, Liana, what, what, what Jenny's saying is, is that you're throwing a punch an hour after the fight's over. You know what I mean? You're putting your insulin in now, the extra basil, but it isn't working right now. All of a sudden, an hour later, when you kind of don't need it anymore, now all of a sudden it's there. She's thinking, maybe. And by the way, right. you know, this is our guess off of four sentences. Uh, the other thing right. I wanted to say is, right. it's interesting to me, like Leanna, she says, I know hormones get released. This is what I always talk about. Don't spend so much time trying to figure out why it's happening. Just stop it. You, you know what I mean? Like Address it. Yeah, when the bank robbers come in the door, we don't try to figure out the psychology of why he thinks it's okay to steal from the bank. Someone just really needs to stop right, right from stealing. Right. So I, I get it fixed. Then if you want to, you know, retcon it and think of, you know, analyze yeah, it, then do it, but don't worry about exactly. it in the, moment. in the moment. You need more insulin when you need more insulin. Okay. That and was- another, I guess another accommodation just to finish it too is, mm-hmm. For people who do have more shift kind of work, and let's say, as you brought up, it's hard to remember to change a basal pattern and to remember you need it on Tuesday for this shift and this, you know, Friday for this shift and a weekend and a day off and whatever. The other potential accommodation that does work for some people is if you know by evaluating what the rise is that you get as soon as you wake up, let's say you always know that you get a 50, 70, 30 point rise in blood sugar, Mm -hmm. you can actually use your correction factor in an opposite way then. You can say, okay, if one unit drops my blood sugar by 50 points, and in the morning, I have this consistent 40 to 60 point rise in my blood sugar. Well, when I wake up, if I take a unit of insulin right now, I should be able to offset that rise because we know it's going to take about 15 to 20 minutes to get a bolus working. Usually that rise is going to be seen if it's going to start, it's going to be within about 15 to 30 minutes of waking up in the morning. So if you can take that bolus to offset with a figured amount of insulin, Mm -hmm. it's another way to accommodate if your days are very different in when you wake up. So you're over bolusing the morning. So you're over bolusing the morning without ever playing with basils. You're just accommodating for the rise that you know is going to be there. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Okay. Oh, you need a breath? You all right? I'm good. All right, here we go. Jennifer asks what I think is a really interesting question. She says, so... What a good name. She, this must be a brilliant question, right? She, <laughs> she says, so carbohydrates begin digestion in the mouth and absorption can start in the mouth. But the amount of time that the food actually stays in the mouth before you swallow it isn't that great. Then it goes to your stomach. There's about three hours before it moves on to the small intestines where digestion finishes. And then the majority of absorption happens. So my question is, why do we bolus for the insulin up front why don't we bolus heavier on the end so that three hours afterwards to catch it when it's being absorbed by the small intestines? Now, I think 
there's a this is an interesting question because I think it's possible Jennifer asks and answers her entire question. What she needs is someone to come along and tell her she's right. Um, or maybe right. So there's a lot in here. So food, food does not spend very much time in your mouth. But no. the quickest way to stop a low blood sugar is Unless like, you're a chipmunk. <laughs> you just run around with your nuts. You pocket it away in your cheeks. Yes. <laughs> just run around with your nuts in your mouth. And uh, look at, Sorry. looking for a hole to stick them in. <laughs> That's what a chipmunk's doing, right? right? It's, it's, right. It's save them for a rainy day. <laughs> anyway, jeez, um, this is going to go off the rails. We need to be more structured than this. <laughs> but so she's, you know, I just the other night, a person who's been on this podcast, you guys haven't heard her yet, but contacted me privately and she said, I just bolused eight units and I meant to do 0.8 and I'm alone and I don't know what to do. And I've drank juice, but my blood sugar is like, I think it was in the under 40. And so I started like rattling off, like, get some of this, get that, get this. Well, the person's like, like keto or low carb or something like that. And like, I don't have any of that stuff in this house. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, now I'm like, oh God, now I'm on the hook. Like I'm really thinking, right? I said, ooh, sugar bowl. And she goes, yeah. I said, take a teaspoon of sugar, just melt it in the saliva in your mouth and keep it in your mouth. Like don't swallow it. Just keep it there because your cheeks super absorb really quickly, right? So I guess this is an interesting question. We'll get to Jennifer's <laughs> overall question, but they do. How is it when my blood sugar is 50 and it's not falling and I drink, you know, 10, 15 carbs of juice, how does it pop up so quickly after that? Where does the majority of that absorption happen? Because I'd imagine that juice doesn't even make it to your stomach because you start seeing it hit pretty quickly. Do you know? And well, in that, in her question and this kind of bring up component of a meal, right? right? If you're drinking something like juice, the reason for juice being recommended or any very simple carb source being recommended as a true treatment for a low blood sugar, or, you know, the reason that you want to pre bolus if you just decide you're going to drink juice and you're not low, is because you do need time. Because that is going to work fast. Right. Sugar gets absorbed in the absence of fats and proteins and fibers and other things. Sugar itself gets absorbed pretty quickly. And it gets it gets absorbed essentially, you know, through the whole passage. And a liquid sugar source, things like a gel or a goo or the juice or um, even, like you said, liquefying, like, in fact, Something I learned years ago was if I chew, 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 chewed the glucose tablet up and made it almost like liquidy in my mouth and then swallowed it, it was a lot faster. And why I came to this, probably in those strange moments of low blood sugar where you're just like, <laughs> oh, let's try this. And your brain is like floating through mud and like whatever. Um but I, I, I figured, you know, I figured out what works a little better. So that liquid component to it, it gets absorbed a lot faster. And in a very simple sugar form, it's going to get absorbed through the digestive system much, much faster. Now, with a meal, she brings up a good point. With a meal, why am I taking this big upfront bolus for food that probably is going to hit me at least some of it is going to hit me later. a fair amount of time later, right? Thus, you know, a lot of the reason that they truly built in, especially for pumpers, that feature of a combo or an extended or a dual or a square wave bolus to pumps, that's why it's there. Yeah. 
The problem is that you've been taught how to use your pump, but you haven't really been taught how to use your pump. Right, how the insulin works. You've not been taught, this is how the insulin works. This is the component of a meal. This is why the insulin needs to be matched to this kind of a meal, this type of food, you know, together. This is the type of bolus you might need. I mean, the science behind it is more in depth than the education that's being provided. It is. So again, this brings up a very good question and potentially, you know, if that's, if that's what this person is seeing, then yes, an extended bolus, if you're using a pump, is probably in your best advantage to try to figure out, writing down some of your common meals, seeing what does your CGM trend look like, trying to match accordingly. You know, maybe I need 30% of my meal bolus right now, and maybe I need 70% of it drawn out over two hours yeah. to accommodate that kind of digestion. I think I think this this question from Jennifer made me think, She's never heard an episode where I do Arden's lunchtime insulin and Arden's blood sugar is already like 80 because that's right. the exact situation where I go, okay, we're going to use 13 units now, but it's 0% up front and the rest over a half an hour, an hour. So, right. cause I need, I need it to start happening, but I need it to, I need the impact push out longer. to push out longer. Right. Yep. All right, yep. Jennifer. Now, um, I think that answers Jennifer's question. I also wrote down that if this wasn't a regular episode, I would call it floating through mud because that's the most interesting like analogy I've heard for being low ever. Like the idea that you're floating, but very slowly. Um, that's how I feel yeah. I, when I, it's one of the best descriptions that I've like been able to come up with for how I have felt long-term because symptoms change for low blood sugar mm -hmm. for many people. But I've always had this feeling that I'm sort of like, floating or slogging through mud. Like I feel like I'm moving exceptionally throw, very slow, but my thoughts at the same time are running extremely fast. They're like, they're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, but I feel like I'm just the slow, like I'm like the slowest, slowest sloth on the planet. <laughs> like you're running for your life, but you're chained to your chair. Yeah. 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 It's okay. just, it's a weird sensation. It's just so, interesting yeah. the way you said that. Uh, <laughs> Floating through mud, yes. I like that. At the beginning of the podcast, I told you that this episode was sponsored by InPen by Companion Medical. And I want to tell you a story about how that came to pass. So things don't happen as quickly as you might think. About a year and a half ago, Companion Medical came to me and said, we'd love to come on the podcast and talk about this new smart pen we have. It works with Dexcom. It's really terrific. And it's called InPen. And I said, yeah, that's nice, but I can't have you on the show because my daughter doesn't use it and I don't know anything about it. And that means a lot to me. I can't take an ad from somebody that I don't really know. You know what I mean? You guys don't even realize it, but there are people who try to come on this show all the time to push what they do in the world. You know, I'm a physical something. I do this for people. And if I don't have direct knowledge of what they're doing, I don't let them come on here. I don't let people just come here and sell to you. So anyway, I kept talking to InPen, and the more I heard from them, I liked, but I still didn't have any like real world data to back up having them on the podcast. So I told them, if you want to come on, that's great. You'll have to sponsor the whole episode. I want people to know for certain that this is an ad. No mistakes, right? I'm not saying I use InPen or I stand behind it. But if you want to come on and talk about InPen, do it. Just make sure people know this is like a paid for episode. And way back like a year ago, they did just that in episode 174. In the year since then, 
I can't tell you how many of you I've heard from who are like, Scott, I heard about InPen on the podcast. It's amazing. And everyone's telling me about how well it's working for them and what a great thing it is for them. And not only that, but and I'm going to talk past the music here for a second. But not only that, but major props to Omnipod for never saying to me, look, you're taking ads from us, so you can't do like a pen too. Uh, nobody does that. This is a very open community we're building here on the podcast, and it's very uh, collaborative. It's fantastic. So anyway, you know, Omnipod doesn't stop me from taking other ads. You hear people come on here all the time and say, I wear a T-Slim, or, you know, I use a Libre CGM. Nobody ever gives me trouble about it. When I set these things up with the sponsors, I was clear up front, you know, I can't stop somebody from saying they use a product that's not yours. If someone starts saying something about your product that you don't like, I'm not going to stop them. I can't do that. And everyone agreed, which, you know, is great in theory, but it's actually happening in real life. Like in real life, none of the sponsors have ever called me, sent me a note or anything and said, hey, we didn't like what that person said there. Please, you know, could you stop that? That has never happened on this show. I would never let that happen, which I like because I like this information to be, you know, unfiltered for you. Anyway, InPen came back a couple of months ago and they said, you know, we really would like to buy ads on the show. Is it possible that you'd be open to that now? I said, I got to tell you, I've heard from so many of your users, such great experiences. I think I would. But let's not just lay an ad in the middle of the episode and clog the whole episode up with these ads, right? Let's do something interesting for my listeners. So what I decided was I'd like to talk to an InPen user and then break up their story, kind of a mini episode, over a number of weeks. And that's what I'm going to do on these Friday shows. These episodes on Friday for a little while are going to be sponsored by InPen, and you're going to hear from one of their users. Now, I think we found a really cool user with a really amazing job, and I don't think we have the person exactly nailed down yet. So we have to wait a second longer to make sure that uh, she's on board. Should I even say she? I'm not sure. Anyway, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. So this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by InPen by Companion Medical. And for now, there's nothing for you to do unless you'd like to learn more. And you can go back to episode 174 and listen to the conversation I had with InPen last year. Coming soon, of course, the story of an InPen user and some links you can click on to find out more. Thanks so much for listening to Ask Scott and Jenny. Be sure to go follow the Facebook page Bold with Insulin so that you can ask a question next time the opportunity arises. And please don't forget that Jenny Smith works at Integrated Diabetes. Not only has Jenny lived with type 1 diabetes since she was a child, but she holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. All of that is nice, but here's what you really need to know. I like the way Jenny thinks about type 1 diabetes management. I love it, actually. She fits right in with how I vibe. And if you'd like to hire her, check her out at integrateddiabetes.com. There are links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Thank you to everyone who sent in their question. We look forward to doing this again and again. This is going to go on for a while, guys. I have a feeling this is going to be pretty popular. I'm tempted here to sing along with the music until the end of the show because I hear from a lot of people that you like that. But privately, I want you to know that I believe you're mentally unstable for thinking that. And I will not be encouraging this with any singing today. Thank you.